This is Basketball U. On Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Might take a while. They're, they're going down the stretch. They're going to run after 10. Inside 30 overall. Love. Ooh. Top of the key. Oh! Big time delivery. That was the call on CBS, Jim Nance, and Raph, as long as, as well as Grant Hill out there to, I mean, talk about maybe one of the biggest shots we've seen in the tournament because it's funny. We still have not seen that game-winning buzzer beater, which we usually no. have a handful of them at this point, which maybe means we're setting up for one in the championship well, game. The, the, the editor for One Shiny Moment's getting itchy, right? <laughs> he, needs, he or she needs that, that final one. To, yeah, they, they really hasn't. And, and even the, the low-scoring games throughout the tournament, and which made you know a lot of people think that was going to continue yesterday, especially when you get into the big cavernous Superdomes and you know depth perception can no matter how many shoot arounds you get in a couple of days before you actually play a game, that can be a little bit of an adjustment. But to to see uh, that second game yesterday get into kind of a run and gun and a much more fast paced game was really enjoyable instead of some of the slog it out type games, including you know the one earlier. Right. So Caleb Love, I mean, he has been everything for this team in the tournament and it's weird because you can say that probably for two or three guys on this roster and it just kind of shows where this team came from ever since mid-february where they've only lost one game since then and all their wins have been by seven or more points and i look at what caleb love his transformation and we talked about it from the point guard play standpoint because that is so critical once you get to this time of the year and boom, he goes out there with 28 points, the bulk of them coming in the second half. I mean, I don't think he scored for the first 15 or so minutes of the game. And then all of a sudden, he goes out there and puts together this out-of-body experience. He hits some big threes. He gets to the basket. And again, he took 10 threes. He was not that great shooting the basketball from distance in this game. He was 3 for 10 from behind the arc. But how many times did he set up defenders and cross him over and then get into the lane and finish with that finger roll at the rim. That, to me, is what makes Caleb Love dangerous. It's when he's got that ability to show that he can score at the rim. Because when he's not doing that and the three-point shot's not falling, he's kind of a, a, a useless player out there on the floor. But when he is getting downhill using screens, and, and this is a Carolina team that's got some really good screen setters. When you look at Baycott, when you look at Brady Manick, when he's got that, this team can go and this team will have a chance against Kansas. If Caleb love has one of the good Caleb love games. Yeah. Not the five point fallout Caleb Love right. games, you know, then to, to that point where they've won by six, seven points, how important was yesterday's game where you had the 18 lead changes and the 12 ties to every, you know, for 30 minutes of a 40 minute game, mm -hmm. it was a possession game, right? So does that toughen you up mentally more than anything else if you get in that kind of a dogfight? But that said, if Kansas comes out with that same kind of kill shot in the opening 10 minutes, you know, all bets are off. But I don't expect them to be able to do what they did to Villanova to this UNC team. So I think we're in for a, I don't know if it's going to be the same 
back and forth game with those ty- types of lead uh, changes that we saw yesterday, but I think it will be a much closer game. It's not going to be a blowout on either side. Here's what's intriguing to me because Carolina is a team that all season long, we've kind of said it, you'll know in the first five minutes if they're going to win. And we've seen games where they lay flat. We've seen games where they absolutely run it up on teams. And in this game, they hung around and, and they were they were leading for a good chunk of that first half against Duke last night. And if they can do that against Kansas, I, I think this is going to be the, the perfect balance, uh, the perfect example of that against Kansas tomorrow. You're going to know it, what Carolina team you're getting. And I, I just look at the matchup between the bigs. It's, it's going to be really intriguing to watch the sort of inconsistency that we've seen at point guard too on each side as well heading into this game. It's a chess match, and you've got two great coaches as well. Hubert Davis has moved into the echelon of great coach thanks to this run. Bill Self, he's done it before. He's been to Final Fours. He's been to national championships. He's won national championships. So looking at these two teams as they head into this finale tomorrow night, I mean, I think this is almost as perfect as of a matchup as you could ask for. And, and you didn't think you'd be getting that out of a 1-8 matchup. I mean, think about it. A 1-8 matchup, you're used to seeing that in the second round, not the national championship. And now we've got a chance to see a really good one between these two. So I mentioned a Jalen Wilson against Manic. Is it uh, McCormick and Lightfoot against Sabacot? I mean, who who are some of the X factors that you would have on either side, on, on either team that have to show up? I mean, Remy Martin was all everything for two months here, right? Uh-huh. And then is that the outlier game yesterday? Or is that... Is he reverting back to, you know, knee injury Remy who can't take over and and dominate and and be a focal point of a game? I don't think the bigs are going to decide this game. I think they're going to sort of neutralize themselves with McCormick playing the way that he is and Baycott, who knows how healthy he is, too. That's the looming question. He turned that ankle. He did come back into the game, but sometimes with those ankle injuries, you can come back, but what's it going to be like on Sunday? What's it going to be like on Monday? When, and who knows what his health status is going to be going into Monday. My guess, he's going to play, right? But how effective can you be and how physical can you be and how much can you elevate to get some of those rebounds? I think it is going to come down to the guards. It's going to come down to who plays better, which combination plays better here. Is it going to be the R.J. Davis and Caleb Love combo or is it going to be the uh, – uh, Dewan Harris and Remy Martin combination. That to me is where this game is going to be decided because those have been the inconsistent groups and whichever one, because one of them is going to step up. One of them is going to step up and whichever one it is, that's the team that's probably going to win. Well, it, you know, guard play used to be when you went into the selecting your brackets, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the day it was okay. Senior uh, driven teams, uh, Terrific backcourt teams. You know, now you see bigs who can shoot it from the outside, from beyond the arc, right? That, I, I'm with you, though. We saw with Villanova, the four turnovers in the first five, six minutes, combined with the hot shooting of what Kansas was putting up. I mean, that was the death knell for them. So guard play is still very important. I'm not sure it's as important as it was 10 years ago, eight years ago, six years ago. And here's the other thing is there's a fascinating matchup 
on the wing as well. When you look at Oshayabaji and, and how good he was in that last game against Villanova, and then you've got Brady Manick on the other end, who's been Mr. Everything for this team throughout the course of the NCAA tournament, has been one of those consistent cogs for for Carolina all season long. I mean, he's never going to have to buy a drink in Chapel Hill for the the rest of the time he's on this earth, and he's he's a, a grad transfer. He's only going to spend one year at Carolina, and he's beloved by the fan base. So that, to me, is another interesting chess match, too, because who is going to guard Abaji? Are you going to put Brady Manick on him, who got the assignment of Paolo Bancaro for a good amount during that Duke game, or are you going to put a guy who's a little more defensive-minded in Leaky Black? To me, if I'm if I'm Hubert Davis, I'm putting Leaky Black on Oshai Abaji because I would rather save Brady Manick's legs for the offensive side and let him go to work offensively as opposed to make him play give 110 percent on both Mm. ends i think that's one of the the little chess matches to look for in this game on on tomorrow night yeah and and really do you want a guy named leaky uh you know leaky (laughs) defense like all names team that's what you got on carolina you've got leaky black you've got puff johnson you've got (laughs) a uh armando baycott's a fun one caleb love I mean, Dontrez Styles, Kerwin Walton. Who's still naming their kids Kerwin? This is the all names team right here on Carolina. I mean, and Leakey's his given name, right? I mean, that's just not uh, uh, his, his given name is Rashawn. Okay. Is again, your defense doesn't need to be Leakey, but mm-hmm. if Leakey's your best defensive player, go ahead and put him on. Yeah. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Let's head out to Virginia and check in with our guy Will. What's going on, Will? Hey, what's up? Yeah, it was kind of just a general comment that I was thinking about with the ACC. It's kind of funny how, like, you know, they're they're a dog, and rightfully so, during the regular season, and now they've kind of been, like, probably the best conference or one of the better conferences in the tournament. So even if UNC doesn't win tomorrow, it's like they're still represented in the championship. So it's kind of just, I don't know, kind of funny to me how the ACC kind of showed up when it mattered. But uh, but even if Kansas does win, you know, shout out Danny because I know that he would uh, would love that. Yeah, no, I mean Danny Danny's partying right now. He, he's probably happy he didn't have to watch the end of the game because the the outcome was was decided by the time he got to the Bulls game last night. And Will, we appreciate the call, and he brings up a an interesting point too with the 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 ACC getting dogged all year and, and they should have they they were not a good conference they were held up by by Duke really throughout the course of the season and then Carolina kind of came on late and did their thing but I look at the ACC and it's very similar to what happened with the Pac-12 last year where the ACC was struggling throughout the season they're not very good uh, a lot of people are questioning ah should this team really even be in the tournament and then boom what do you know you got ucla in the final four last year boom you got two teams in the final four this year in the acc usc had a good run last year oregon took down a two seed as as a, a seven seed last year so I, I think it's pretty similar to to what we we've seen so far from the acc and now the acc is going to have a chance to take a championship home here and I would have, if you told me an ACC team was going to be in the championship game and they're not Duke, I would have said, who the hell is it? Because I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Yeah, and, and you know, I was just going to see with Danny Zetterman, the Bulls don't play tomorrow, right? They they host Miami on, uh, or Milwaukee. I believe on, you are correct. I believe, what, Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday hosts Milwaukee. Big game, you know, you know because they do so well against uh, good teams. 
Uh, but yeah, Danny to hopefully has his uh, schedule cleared tomorrow, so he can actually watch the championship game and not have to keep the family happy while he's one eye on the Jayhawks. Yep, three one two three three two three seven seven six. If you want to talk about Duke, you want to talk about Carolina, you want to give us a pick for the national championship game coming up tomorrow night. Also, has there been a retirement tour going on in the shadows of Coach K? We'll talk about that next. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. You're listening to Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's basketball you talking college hoops. Talking college hoops with you on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Basketball U on ESPN 1000. Tyler Rocky, Brian Hanley. You can listen on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, and also that great ESPN Chicago app. Be sure to download that app if you don't have it already and find the Basketball U podcast there under the additional podcast feed. Also, we can wa- you can watch us on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. All right, so, Brian, there's been all this made up about the Coach K retirement tour, right? And it came to a grand close. He's he's riding off on his golf cart and he's telling reporters and you can superimpose a sunset on this. You can superimpose a sunset. <laughs> and this well, is you mentioned you mentioned the Nike t shirt with just the K. Mm-hmm. You know. Did you see the uh, North Carolina Barstool t shirts? I did not know. I mean, you talk about heartless in powder blue t shirt. Coach K funeral with him with the you know, character of him laid out, and then I, one I did get kind of a kick out Coach four hundred one k, where he's in a wheelchair with a blanket over his lap and someone's pushing him around. Um, but There's yeah, also the the letter that comes after K, and that's how that's how he went out his uh, with his oh. career. Um, there's all, all this stuff. And, and I mean, you, you look at, uh, with, with coach K, Holy macro. No, no, shut up. I mean, this has been pent up and it was almost everything that you expected it to be this year with the celebration of coach K, the, the gifts he was showered with the ESPN features. And now you find out there's a documentary, but deep down, if you look and if you've been following what's been going on behind the scenes of all of this, if you look at what's happening with Roy Williams throughout this entire process, he has gone on a retirement tour of his own. He started off by going to Michigan State, seeing his old buddy Tom Izzo. And again, Roy Williams is retired. He did it the right way. He said, we're not doing this retirement tour nonsense. We're going out at the end of the season like everybody else does. We don't need to be showered with gifts along the way. So what does he, what does he do? He goes yeah, it was a year ago yesterday, he announced yes. it, right? Mm-hmm. He goes out to Michigan State, sees his old buddy Tom Izzo. After that, he goes to his old stomping grounds in Lawrence, Kansas, sees his guy Bill Self. Meanwhile, throughout this entire process, he has also been showing up at Carolina games. He's seceded his office. He's stepped away. He's been out of out of all that. He's, he's not keeping his office in the, the stairway to heaven. And then he gets this unlikely Carolina run. You go out as the eight seed and you knock off a one seed. 
you eliminated the first one seed from the NCAA tournament. Then you follow that up with a trip and a victory over a team that went to the Final Four last year in UCLA. What's next? You end the Cinderella story of St. Peter's. And where does it culminate now? You get to New Orleans for the Final Four. Roy's there. He's fist pumping throughout this entire process. He's been shown on TV countless times throughout this NCAA tournament in that Argyle blue mask of his. And he gets the last laugh from the stands over Coach K. And what do we have here in the national championship to culminate the retirement tour for Coach K? It is the Roy Williams Bowl between Carolina and Kansas. The last two schools that Roy coached at and has taken to national championship games at Carolina. He won multiple national championship games. And this is how we're seeing the Roy Williams retirement tour come to a close. This is what happens when you do it the right way, Kay. If he had stepped aside, let Shire go about his business, who knows? It might be Duke here next year. <laughs> well, you know, I think I was listening to the odds couple yesterday, and um, uh, Mike North, the great Mike North, and Carm, I believe, had a prop bet on one of the uh, sports book sites. Either how, would they show Roy Williams more than would they show Coach K's wife, Mickey? Or would they show him before they showed Mickey? But it was one or the other. But as you mentioned, how many, I think, you know, two or three times you can get a, a Roy Williams uh, TV shot during any of their games, right? Minimum, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Now, will he weep should they win tomorrow night? Because Roy, you know, it didn't take much to get him all teary-eyed when he was coaching uh, the Tar Heels. Uh, I would, you know, back to the tears of joy or the tears of sadness that we start the show with Coach K's kids. Um but yeah, he's been there. Looks great too, by the way. You know, retirement's yeah. doing. Uh, he's doing well by retirement. Living um, in that Carolina sunshine. I mean, yeah. So it, to think back on that profit, I don't know how it cashed out, but I would guess Kay's wife Mickey was shown more. I would guess. And remember, there was the whole thing where she went down the line and was high fiving all the Duke students oh, yeah. to, to clear game, her yeah. out way and, and get to ready get the to victory, that's the victory the, walk. That's yeah. the equivalent. Of wheeling the champagne into the locker room yeah. right there, right? It's the Red Auerbach cigar. Yeah, that, she was to coming me, down to walk, yeah, take the walk with the, with the hubby. Yep, and then all of a sudden, Carolina goes on this run, and then Caleb Love hits the big three-pointer, and what do you know? Carolina's moving on to the national championship game. But Roy Williams, I mean, it's great to see him still be a, a fan, of the program, right? Yeah. And just be entwined. Like, he was the guy that recruited Michael Jordan to the program. Um, I'm sure we'll see MJ at the national championship. I thought we would see him at the Final Four, but I, I would guess he'll be there for the national championship game. But the, the, the way that Carolina has made it to this national championship now with, with unlikely stories, with a, a, a different, uh, like an island of misfit toys in terms of a roster construction. I mean, let's not forget too. One of their best players has not played for them as well. A guy that you know well, and Dawson Garcia, he transferred over to Carolina from Marquette, and he has sat out. He, he had some family issues, so he's been away from the team for a while. So they're missing one of their best players. Yet here they are competing for a national championship on Monday night. You know, and, and back to the Coach K retirement tour. 
I was shocked in this, uh, the Sun-Times Saturday uh, sports section. They do their poll. You know, Coach K still should be beloved or, or well-liked here in Chicago, the Northwest kid mm-hmm. from Weber High and all that, Northwest side kid in the city. 63 or 64% of 1,000-plus votes basically like, hell no, I don't want to see him win it. I mean, no, no, shut up. Yeah, no, no, shut up. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I thought it'd be much more divided than that. Yeah. It's like, wow. I, I just wonder if Tom Ricketts will give him a K off the old scoreboard at some <laughs> point where he throws out the first pitch of the summer. Yeah, to, to it's divert, not about me. To divert the Cub fans from thinking their team's any good. Yeah. Hey, look, Coach K's here. And he'll, I'm sure he'll bring Shire along, too. I, and listen, I think this program is going to be in good hands with Shire because, I mean, he's got a top recruiting. He's got class the top recruiting in. class coming in. I believe he's got three of the top four players in the class headed to Duke next season. I mean, they're going to be loaded. And I, I'm intrigued to see how Shire does things differently. What's going to be different? I, I think certainly the because nobody looks at Shire as the bad guy. Right. I mean, certainly there there are people who view Kay as the bad guy. Right. And I don't think that's going to hold with John Shire. I, I hate to say it, but Duke might become likable. They well, might become a likable program with, with Shire at the helm. Well, I mean, if he sticks around for 42 years like Coach K, then maybe. I mean, do, does the unlikability come with being just the, on the big stage and being under the spotlight for as long as Coach K with the 1,202 wins? Potentially. And all the, Mm-hmm. I think you know people. People love to build build people up, only to knock them down when they get too successful, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the whole uh, live long enough to to die a hero, or 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 live long enough to to yourself uh, become a villain. see yourself become the villain. Yes, thank you, Jake. Um, yeah. th- that's exactly what it is, and I think that's part of what what Kay sort of endured throughout his time, and he certainly had his run ins with people throughout the course of, of his career, but. It has been, I mean, again, you cannot take away anything. He's a Hall of Fame career. He, he's been the, the USA basketball guy um, that a lot of NBA players have the respect for him as a result of that, too. But in in this situation, I, it, I feel like you're going to see a, a turn in the tide of Duke. You're going to see it turn, and, and they might become that likable program now. Because, like, look at this roster of, of Duke players. You, you see anyone on there in particular that you don't like? I mean, it's a pretty likable group when you look yeah, at guys no. like Mark Williams, um, A.J. Griffin, Paolo Bancaro, Wendell Moore. There's a lot of likable guys on that roster. Yeah, Bancaro, who may be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft too, right? And and we talked about Mark Williams. Please get him a Bulls uniform, even though his stock apparently is making him a 15 to 20 pick instead of a 20 to 25 pick. So, you know, that's who the Bulls need. They need that guy. They need that body. They need that guy. Absolutely. All right. So Duke eliminated Coach K retirement tour over. And we're going to talk all about it with John Fanta from the field of 68 from everything Big East. We've also got some DePaul stuff that we got to get to with with John Fanta as well, because they may be a program on the up and up. Charlie Moore coming back. (laughs) I hope so. He'll have the scoop on that. Um, 312-332-3776 if you want to get your thoughts in on the national championship as well. John Fanta, you're not going to want to miss this. The most electric personality in all of college basketball will be joining us next. It's Basketball U on ESPN 1000. 
basketball you on Chicago's home for sports. Get the basketball you podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. Well, you on ESPN 1000, Tyler Aki and Brian Hanley. If you miss any of the show, be sure to check it out on the ESPN Chicago app. Download that ESPN Chicago app and find Basketball You. The podcast is right there for you. All right, let's go down to New Orleans now. Site of the Final Four, site of Monday's National Championship game at the Caesars Superdome. And let's get in our guy, John Fanta. You can find him on the Field of 68, the Douster, Tio, and Fanta show, as well as see his work on Fox, calls a number of games for them on Fox and FS1, and the host of Biggie's Shoot Around as well. John, I know New Orleans can lead to some late nights, especially when you get a classic like that in Duke, Carolina. How you feeling this morning? Oh, I'm feeling great, Tyler. Thank you guys for having me. Ended up taking a little easier last night because uh, the, the high of the game was, was that of a party alone. It was just one big college basketball celebration last night at the Superdome. And it, and it felt like a night that the, the sport has been waiting for for a couple of years because, as you guys know, we haven't had a normal Final Four since 2019. So three years of time has passed, and last night was just incredible. The energy in the building – for Duke and Carolina, it didn't live up to the hype. It exceeded it. Were you surprised that it did, John? Yeah, I was. I, I thought that the buildup was going to be so much so that, that there was a chance that it could could be a dud. I, I really did. And and I I wasn't surprised that it was a competitive game, but it was such a well-played game. Often people will make the take of, the shot making in college basketball is is uh, not enough, and and it needs to be better. And you know that you're you're not going to get that. Uh, you know, in the NBA, the shot making's elite, and you're not getting that in this sport. Well, last night was just terrific shot making. There was a span of, of 45 seconds where we saw three consecutive threes, Manic answering a big one, and then. Duke comes down and Wendell Moore hits one, and they go to timeout. And all of a sudden, um, Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. It's in the Superdome. I just thought that the, the script of the night was spectacular. So I don't think anybody could have uh, predicted that last night, and that's exactly uh, what happened. John Fanta joining us from New Orleans, Field of 68, Douster, T.O., and Fanta podcast. So, John, when you look at the magnitude of this game, the magnitude of the moment, it it was going to be Coach K's last Final Four, and every game's had the potential to be Coach K's final game. Do you think, from the Duke side of things, did the moment just get too big for those kids? Well, I I think that when you you look at the moment, like – it, it was the type of thing where those kids rose to the occasion. You know, they they embraced that moment. Um, they, I don't think that anything got too big for them uh, because I think they learned in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor just 
just what the pressure of the NCAA tournament was going to be because once once they had that night, guys, they were never going to have something quite like that where Mike Krzyzewski is walking through a tunnel of his former players and you've got college game day on the ground there. There was the idea of there's no way they're going to lose this game. And, and that night they melted. And they needed that night to get to the Final Four, in my opinion. I don't think that last night Duke allowed the pressures of the situation to get to them. I just think they got outplayed by North Carolina in the second half. We were talking about it earlier in the show, John, that you talk about rising to the occasion or meeting a moment or many moments. I mean, UNC was, you could have got them in Vegas at 150 or 200 to one at the end of February after they lost to, to Pitt. And yet, you know, they kicked Marquette, my alma mater, up and down the floor. And I'm thinking, okay, that, you know, that, you know, Marquette didn't show up. I feel a little bit better now that they're in the title game, but is this just confidence plus talent? Or, or when they meet the real talent that, that Kansas has up and down that roster, does the fun stop here? What gives with UNC? Is this more that they're, they're playing with house money and they, they're not, they're, they're not going to be afraid of anybody? Well, they are playing with house money and they aren't afraid of anybody. And I think Armando Baycott summed it up earlier this week the best. He said, look, we knew that we had it in us to be great, but we haven't always showed it. Meaning, there were times this year when these kids didn't care enough to give an effort. I mean, that, that's just the fact of the matter. There were times this year where Hubert Davis was coaching effort. He wasn't coaching basketball. And he's not having to do that anymore. And the talent is showing. This team is playing connected right now. They're, they're playing really well on the defensive end of the floor. And guys, think about their path. I mean, this reflects now what they did to Baylor and going up by over 20 on the Bears. This reflects now on what they were able to achieve against UCLA, who people had as a dark horse Final Four team after they got there last year. And I thought the Bruins were playing really well, really good basketball here in the NCAA tournament, and North Carolina unseated them. And then, look, you unseated a team that had beaten Purdue and Kentucky. You know, we could talk about fluke or what. St. Peter's run was not fluky. They were beating those teams and beating them by playing physical and wanting it more. So for me, Carolina, we always knew they were talented, but I just think this group has become connected as, as the year's gone on. And I think that they're in a position here to win the national championship. I don't think that, that uh, this is going to be too big for them or that Kansas is that much more talented than they are. I actually think that North Carolina's backcourt is playing better than Kansas. Just had, they, they had a, elite shooting night you know in the previous three games before last night kansas had shot 13 for 44 from three that's not good last night they shot 13 for 24 one game so if the jayhawks do that again tomorrow they're going to be the national champion but do i expect it to be a game down to the wire i really do and i could see carolina coming out on top Talking with John Fanta right now from the field of 68 also on fox sports and john I look at this matchup, and you talked about the guards. You hinted how Carolina's guards are playing a little bit better, but I look at Kansas, and yeah, yesterday wasn't the greatest of performances for Remy Martin, but he has been, he's found a new gear pretty much since the Big 12 tournament. When you stack the, these two guard pairings up side to side here, what is it mm -hmm. that gives you a little bit more confidence in Carolina than it does in Kansas? Well, just, be, just the fact that Remy Martin has been inconsistent as good as he's been at times in the NCAA tournament was as 
disappearing as he was last And so for me, I think that North Carolina's backcourt, they'll take a lot of shots, but they make things happen. And R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, how about the fact that Caleb Love was 0 for 5 in the first 15 minutes and goes for 28? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he scored 28 in the last 25 minutes of the game. That's incredible. And so for me, I, I like the way that North Carolina has these two terrific scores in Love and Davis, and that's where I saw it because you've got to score the ball. You, you have to be able to score on good defense. These are two teams that are playing well defensively. North Carolina's been a top-five defense in the last 40 days of college basketball. Top five. And Kansas in this NCAA tournament has been right there, too, only allowing 59 points per game in their NCAA tournament run. But I signed with Carolina just because, guys, I see more consistency. Dewan Harris had a great shooting night last night. That's not going to happen tomorrow. Uh, so for me, and I, people would say, well, why, how do you say that? Well, because logic would show that, that Dewan Harris isn't doing that in back-to-back games. I think Kansas' backcourt is really good, but I think North Carolina's backcourt is the reason why they're playing in this national championship, whereas for me, Kansas is in the national title because they have an All-American in Ochai Agbaji who plays on the wing and a big man in David McCormick who doesn't want to go home. When you look at uh, Baycott, he rolled his ankle. Are we going to get any kind of update on him or we expect him to be out there certainly but will that news will that news leak out will be officially released what uh, what do you expect yeah he well he's playing and hubert davis hubert davis uh, said he's playing uh it's a national championship game i think he would play on one leg sure but oh, what kind of an uh, impact does it have well we're gonna learn we'll find out and if it has an impact then kansas is winning this basketball game because that you need a full strength five man to guard mccormick Villanova did not have the, the talent. They just didn't match up with McCormick, and Kansas cashed in. They exposed Villanova defensively with their inside-out approach. So for me, guys, that's a huge element to the game. And only, only Armando Baycott knows what he's going to be able to do. But in regards to his status for this game, I think we're supposed to anticipate that he is at, at least 80%. I mean, I, I think that Armando Baycott is going to play this game, and I think he'll play well. I I'm not really that worried about it. The guy had 22 rebounds last night, and he played and finished out the game, came back into the game and, and found a way. And he came back into the game right away. I mean, it was like a minute that he was out for. So I, I think Armando Baycott's fine. Uh, yeah, just some of the plays that he made when he came back in. I think it was one of the first possessions, and he's triple-tapping a, a ball at the rim and elevating on all those. I think that was certainly a, a good yeah. sign yeah. for his health, but obviously always a scary situation when you see someone go to the locker room. Getting to inside of, of Kansas here a little bit, I, I look at the Jayhawks as a team that has really found a gear in the last three halves of basketball that they've played. What's different with them for the last game and a half that maybe wasn't there for the first three and a half games? Well, I mean, I think they're shooting the basketball better from the perimeter. That's that's one of the biggest things is they've been able to generate perimeter shots and do it in an efficient fashion. So that's the thing that's changed for them is they're just getting more offense from their backcourt. So I, I think when you look at them, uh, defensively, they've always been on point. Agbaji, elite talent. But what's happened is their backcourt has stepped it up and taken that next step. You mentioned the, the fact that uh, Kansas is, you know, they, they hit 13 and 24, 54% from three, 54% overall from the field. 
Um, do you expect a similar type of high-scoring game, or is it going to be back a uh, game in the 60s and kind of take a take a little bit for these two teams to feel themselves out? How, how's it play out? Yeah, I think in a national championship game, second second game in three nights of this level of hype, I expect some more misses early tomorrow. That sometimes just happens by virtue of fatigue, by virtue of legs. So I expect a game that will be decided in the mid-60s. Maybe it's cracked 70. I think they'll be scoring. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a dud because both these teams get in the open floor and they're going to get easy buckets along the way. Question becomes, whose half-court defense can get enough stops and can Carolina contain Agbaji? Because at the end of the day, Agbaji is the best player in this matchup. And if he plays like it, typically the team with the best player wins. John, who do you think should guard? If you're Hubert Davis, this is one of the big chess match pieces that I'm looking at. Who's guarding Abaji in this game? Are you putting more of a defensive-minded guy in Leaky Black on him, who maybe doesn't have to exert himself as much offensively? Or are you going to throw Brady Manick, who I thought did a fabulous job on, on Paolo Bancaro down the stretch yesterday? I think you got to put Leaky Black on Abaji. This is a different level of a test. Abaji's more seasoned than Bancaro. Bancaro's a terrific talent, uh, but Ochai Abaji can just score the ball in so many different ways. And guys, Ochai can shoot the ball better than Paolo mm-hmm. does. This is an assignment for Leaky Black to take on for the Tar Heels. How right. important is this game for Bill Self before we let you go, John? Because 15 Big 12 championships, nine number one seeds, one title going back to 2008. Um, any pressure on him to get that second one? I think there there always is a natural pressure. And, and – you're the coach of Kansas, so of course there's going to be expectations laid on you. But guys, like here's here's my dimension. We don't know what the penalties are going to be for Kansas with this FBI investigation. They could get hit with the show cause. They could get a postseason ban. The imagery of Mark Emmert handing Bill Self a trophy. Now that that's a loaded image uh, in college basketball. So I think I think one is yeah, there's some pressure. But two is we don't know what Kansas basketball could have to go through in a year or two with with the NCA violations. So that's where I sort of sit with this, and that's why I think, hey, knowing that, this night becomes bigger for Bill Self because this is his shot to get one, and who knows what a what a penalty from the NCA could do to Kansas for two or three years of time, like we're seeing with LSU right now. John Fanta, Field of 68. Real quick before we let you go, you are all things Big East. Mr. Big East, you've got a blazer that's got every single team logo on it. You you personify the Big East. Some people like to say it's Rolly Massimino or Louis Carnesecca. No, in my eyes, when I hear the Big East, I think John Fanta. But with DePaul, since we are here in Chicago, why should Blue Demon fans be optimistic that Tony Stubblefield's the right guy and can get this team into the tournament? Well, it's because he's getting talent. Zion Cruz is one, and, and he's on several others. I mean, I had dinner last week with Tony, and he had about 10 hours in Chicago before he was getting on a plane to Arizona at 6 a.m. to go out recruiting again. So Tony Stubblefield's recruiting acumen is right up there near the top of the Big East. He's going to be able to get talent, and you've got to have dogs to win in the Big East Conference. So I think you're seeing – the, the talent come in, you're going to continue to see it. But, guys, they play more connected. If you watched DePaul this year, you saw that they played more, more connected basketball. So that's why there's an upside with their direction. 
All right. John Fanta from the Field of 68. Check out the Douster, T.O., and Fanta podcast, and you can find them on Fox as well as the Big East Shoot Around as well. Thanks so much for your time, and enjoy Monday night. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. John Fanta, one of the best out there in college basketball. We'll wrap up the show, give you our picks for the national championship, and more coming up next. Welcome back to Basketball U on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Here are your hosts, Tyler Rocky and Brian Hanley. It's the finale of Basketball U here on ESPN 1000. I'm Tyler Aki. He's Brian Hanley. We've been with you every single Sunday throughout the NCAA tournament. We appreciate everybody listening along throughout the process as well. And if you missed any of the show, if you missed John Fanta just moments ago, if you missed anything that we had with Jeff Goodman we had on the show earlier, we had Rob Douster as well, you can find it on the Basketball You podcast. You just got to download that ESPN Chicago app, go under additional podcasts, and you'll find all the episodes of Basketball You. All right, Brian. So we've got our matchup now in the national championship. You've got Carolina from the left side. You've got Kansas from the right side. It is a four-point spread as we enter this matchup. Who do you like in this game to cut down the nets? Well, our Twitter polls, uh, the majority of people are conflicted when it comes to the spread. It's, what, 52-48? Just how Vegas likes it. People are taking the points, right? So uh, they're not doubting UNC to keep it close. But interestingly enough, straight-out winner, one of our other Twitter poll questions, who wins 63%. And it's not all Danny Zetterman and his family. Um, I have to go with them. I, I think Remy Martin's going to show up and play much, much better, like like he's played in the last month, not like yesterday. And so I think that's encouraging for KU that they got it done convincingly against a shorthanded Villanova team, but all their guys didn't have their, their A game. So um, I think they're going to win, and I would think they're going to cover as well. Yeah, I look at it as he- here's how North Carolina games usually go. North Carolina will win it outright, or you will see Kansas go out and cover. I think that that's just sort of the feel that I, I don't see games where Carolina goes out and and loses but covers a spread, especially when you get into the NCAA tournament where these numbers are really no more than four when you've got pretty equal teams, especially in a national championship game like this one is. So I am going to actually roll with with UNC in this game kind of like what John said how the guards are playing a lot better for Carolina right now and I just think this is sort of the storybook season for Carolina to to go out and close this thing out and I think even if Baycott is a little bit hobbled for Carolina he still has that ability to out rebound out physical out tough David McCormick I don't think David McCormick is is going to be the best big man in this game, and he's going to have to be to give Kansas a shot in this one. Um, I I really think that it's going to come down to the guards, though. I think we're going to see Caleb Love probably make a more concerted effort to get going early. I think that's something that Hubert Davis is certainly going to try to inject into him. And and I I think R.J. Davis, I mean, defensively, what they can bring in a game like this is intriguing to me. And... 
Not to mention, there's a Brady Manic who, who's waiting to erupt in the Final Four, and I think he probably has his moment in this game against Kansas. Well, if Caleb Love and R.J. Davis combine like they did last night for, what, 46 points, then mm-hmm. you know you feel pretty good about that. Um, it, 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 look, I don't see a buzzer beater, right? I'm with you. I think Kansas and Caleb Love, as John pointed out, 28 points in the final 25 minutes. He's got to get going sooner than that or else you might be looking at a double-digit deficit, and then Kansas can just go ahead and impose its will on you. So you always say at UNC you'll know in the first five minutes or so what kind of team, what, what which uh, UNC team showed up, and I, I buy that tomorrow night as well. I, I also, in the case for Kansas, too, on the other side, what, what you're vouching for here, I, I do think that there is something to be said about Carolina going out and playing a hard-fought game not just physically, but emotionally and mentally last night. Is that their championship internally? Maybe. You look at it last in last year's championship game, Baylor blew the doors off of Houston. And then on the other side, you had Gonzaga play toe-to-toe and, and rely on an overtime buzzer beater from half court from Jalen Suggs to win that game. That, to me, could be a factor as well. One team really had to grind out a victory where the other team kind of coasted. Tournament tough, yeah. UNC got that that mental challenge and, and physical challenge and ended up finding a way to win that game. So that's I mean, that's gotta be a great experience for them to to draw upon tomorrow night. Yeah. All right. Everybody enjoy the national championship and hey, go check out Twin Peaks and Oak Brook. Black and Abdallah will be watching the national championship game out there. They'll be doing a live show from six to eight tomorrow. White Sox baseball coming up later on today at three thirty. And don't forget uh, we've got Carmen and Yurko starting ten to or twelve to two tomorrow. A little bit of a lineup change. Thanks to Jay Cantu for producing, and thanks to Brian Hanley for hopping in with us today. And thanks to John Fanta as well. We'll talk to you guys later. Midwest Bank, the division of Old National Bank, State Street Studio. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station.